Welcome to Short Course, Episode 10, for April 6th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week, I want to experiment with a little bit of a different format, just trying out different things as the podcast grows and develops, and talk through some of the stages at a recent match, how I did, what I thought of the stages, and, and my own performance. I've done written reviews like this before on my blog, where you can find them, I call them match debriefs. I tend to go into probably too much detail in those, but I thought it would be interesting to try it in, in a podcast form and, and see how it goes. If you want to see the stages that I'm talking about in this episode, I've included the YouTube link to the match video, all eight stages, in the show notes for this episode, which should be visible in your podcatcher app. So the match in question is the March 2018 Sir Walter Gun Club USPSA match. So almost a month ago, when this episode hits the feed, it'll be the day before the April USPSA match at Sir Walter. But I like that because it's given me some time to kind of have some perspective on the match. I mean, I, I like to go ahead and get my videos edited and posted as quickly as I can, as quickly as feasible after shooting the match, but then give it some time and go back and look at them. Because sometimes with a little bit of distance, you start to see things you didn't notice in the moment. So here we go. The first stage of the day, we started on stage eight, which was probably my favorite stage of the day. The stage itself was shaped kind of like a baseball home plate, so like a square with a triangle on top. And you started at the at the back of it, and basically each of the corners had a shooting position you could go to, but you didn't have to go all the way to the front to that shooting position. You could see those targets from a little bit further back. And then there was a wall that divided the shooting area down the middle, and you could go uprange or downrange of it. And it really it was not a big stage. It wasn't a long stage. The whole stage was only 24 rounds, but it was it was just a really interesting challenge because there were almost every target you could see from at least two positions. In most cases, there was a trade-off between taking the target from a little bit further back or taking it from closer up, but where it was angled away from you. And so you kind of had to, to play this game of which gives a better presentation. How does it fit into your plan? Are you going to remember to transition past it, or do you just want to shoot everything you can see? From, from each position. And obviously, in some cases, if you had done that, if you just shot everything from every position, you would have ended up shooting some of the targets more than once. But it definitely, it wasn't a memory stage. It wasn't hard to remember once you'd made your plan, but you definitely had to plan. If you just came into each position with no plan, then, then things would go bad. It was cool because the open shooters definitely had more incentive to shoot on the move because some of the targets were available from the middle of the stage and so you could kind of flow through where in production, it really made more sense, at least to me, to run to each of the four corners, you know, not going all the way to the front corner, but run to the, the four different corners and shoot different sets of targets from each spot and, and divide things up in a way where I wasn't taking more than eight rounds from any one position, which again, since it was only a 24-round stage, was, was fairly feasible. So it didn't push me to my limit of having to ride that line of shooting to 10. It was just a, a nice challenge where each position you just reload in between them. And, it, you know, it just, it was, it was a really good stage. It wasn't, it didn't take up very much space. You know, the, the interesting thing about Sir Walter is they have seven bays they can use, and only one of them is really big. And it, th that one is really big. It's 50 yards deep and probably 35 yards wide. But most of the others are maybe 25 yards wide, maybe 20 yards deep. You know, they, they come in different shapes and sizes, but they're, a bunch of them are divided with these concrete walls. And so you get a lot of bays, but each bay isn't, isn't particularly large. And you can't shoot on all three sides of most of the bays because there's 
there's usually only two berms if if there's even more than one. Some of the bays only have a, a back berm. And so you, optimizing that space is always an interesting challenge. And so the fact that this was a what I thought was a really interesting stage with good options on which targets to take from where, because most of the targets were available from more than one spot, varying difficulties at each position, varying shot difficulties. It I liked it. It was it was good. It rewarded skill, and I think it it helped. It was an accurate representation of shooter ability. Uh, I I actually it, it caught me up a little bit for my personal performance on this one. I ended up I shot it pretty much according to plan. the The execution went fine. the The only hiccup was on the first position. I ended shooting on one of the inside targets up against a wall, one of the uh, snow fence walls, and I just started to pull the gun off just before I'd broken the second shot and I caught myself and I, but I had to bring the gun back on. It shows up on video as, as trigger freeze, but I, I really don't think that's, that's what it is. And I say that because it's not like you see the gun like dip, like I'm, you know, bracing for it to recoil again. It's that you just see the gun start to come off and then I bring the gun back on and shoot the second shot. And that's, you know, that's, that's a common theme for the day that, that showed up on the next stage too. And then one thing that I thought was really interesting was at the very end of the stage, there were two targets that were pretty challenging. Both, it was two targets, basically shoulder to shoulder with a no shoot in the middle so that it covered the Charlie and Delta zone on the inside of the the two targets. And so you had A zone and then Charlie Delta to the left on one target and then A zone and Charlie Delta to the right on the other target. And whatever was going on on that stage, my grip was just dead on. And so when I came onto those two targets, the... I aimed just enough and I was gripping the gun just right that it cycled and the, the sights came right back. And I actually ended up shooting two groups. One was actually literally a keyhole. Two holes were touching. And then the, the other one, they were within a quarter inch of each other. And so two very tight groups on two different targets. And the, the splits were not particularly slow. I don't even know that I could shoot a group that good slow fire. And if it was just one target, I'd chalk it up to luck. But the fact that it happened on two targets right next to each other with, you know, pop, 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 pop kind of splits, very consistent, no double tapping, no long aiming pause, just, just very consistent, just letting the sights return. That, that told me that was good confirmation from that video that, okay, that's what the grip should feel like. That's what it should look like when things are working. The gun just returns literally right back to, to where it left from. That was the best stage for me of the day, I think, in terms of overall performance and I also just liked it. It was it was a really interesting stage that I found made me really think about how I wanted to shoot it. The next stage was stage one, which is so stage one and stage two are really the, the two hardest at, at Sir Walter in terms of building because they're they're the most restricted bays. They're the smallest and they, they have the least ability to move things around. And stage one, there's actually a fixed plate rack. And so almost every month there's a plate rack involved somehow in that stage just because the plate rack is is permanent in that bay. This month was no different, but the somewhat interesting twist to it this time is that the the stage was basically three boxes. The two forward boxes were a little bit bigger than, than just shooting boxes, but they were fairly small shooting areas. And basically there was a, a front left, you know, small shooting area with eight shots you could shoot from two different positions. So you kind of had to go to a front corner and shoot four shots and then come back a little bit to a back corner and shoot four shots. And then the plate rack you had to shoot from the center of the the bay all the way back in the bay. And so it was, you know, it's probably about a 10-yard plate rack. Not incredibly challenging, but not something you can breeze through either. And this is after basically running almost 10 yards from the from the front of the bay 
back. So a 10-yard uprange run to that box, six shots on the plate rack, and then run forward to the other forward box, which had three pairs of mini, you know, scale, half-scale targets at maybe four yards, so not very far away. But when it's, if you shot the half-scale targets, they get pretty challenging pretty quickly. What I found really interesting is there was a, a prop that we've, that this club has built where it's the, it's a window that you hold up with your hand. So it's hinged at the top and it's got a handle at the bottom and you lift it up. If you're like me, you usually lift it up because it's only PVC. You rest it on the top of your hat and you shoot two-handed through the port. Some people hold it up and shoot one-handed through the port. But one of the cool things is, and I, I don't, I, I have no inside information, but the, the match director has a son who's, I think, 10, 11 years old in that range. And so he's, you know, four feet tall. He's not an average adult male height. And so they actually built this prop with two windows, one at a sort of convenient height for someone shorter and one at a convenient height for someone who I would say is an average. I mean, I'm 5'9", and it was at a pr- pretty convenient height. The, the, the window sat comfortably on my head. I think that's cool. I think that's good. I think props like that, as much as is possible, should be designed so that it's not just rigged for average height males. Because not that I'm saying the sport needs to be more inclusive, but it certainly is nice if it's not actively penalizing to someone who's, you know, let's say five foot two, because there are people out there like that. So having that, that prop built that way was, was cool. And I've seen that prop before, but it was, it was an interesting aspect of this stage. My performance on this stage was actually a little bit disappointing in the sense that I've been struggling with steel pretty much, uh, at least since nationals of last year. So September 2017. So I knew that coming into the plate rack, I I really wanted to focus and go one for one on the steel. You know, knowing myself, my personal habit is just to get into the plate rack, run like two or three plates solidly, start shifting my vision from my front sight to the target, start going target focus, somewhere in the fourth or fifth plate, rack up a couple misses, get jolted back to reality, go back to site focus and, and finish out the plate rack. And so I very consciously focused on not doing that. And that actually worked. I, I went, I got the, the five plates in a row and then I go to shoot the last plate and I pulled, I was so sure I saw a good sight picture, jam that trigger. I'd already pulled the gun in. I was thinking about really leaving explosively, dropped the mag, wanted to get the reload done. Cause again, after this box, I had another probably 10 yard run up to the, the end of the stage. And so I really wanted to, to explosively leave the position. It was a forward run, so definitely somewhere that I could, I could really make up ground. And I pulled the gun off target, you know, just like the, the, the error I'd had on the previous stage. It was, I saw the good sight picture, and I just started to move the gun with my arms before, you know, the message got to my trigger finger, I guess. And so I started to move the gun off target. And so I ended up shooting that shot, missing the plate, dropping the mag, and I have no idea where this came from, but out of nowhere, you can see the wheels kind of turning in my head where I'm like, uh, do I stick a mag in? Cause then I'm gonna have to reload again. And, or, uh, and you can see it kind of herky jerky just for a half second. And then it clicks in my head. And I'm like, I got one bullet in the chamber, take down this plate. And so, so I did. And so, you know, shoot the, shoot the, <laughs> the last bullet in the gun. If I'd missed that, it just would have been over. But I, I knew I could hit the plate if I just didn't jerk the gun off the target. Not trigger jerk, but, you know, start to move it with my arms. And so put the gun back out there, shoot that one round. The gun didn't lock back because there was no mag in it, but the gun was completely empty. And so running to that next position, 
I stuffed a mag in. And the, the really weird thing to me is that I racked the slide not the way I normally would. See, when I do like an unloaded start, I'll come, I usually come over the top and use the front cocking serrations jammed up in the, the webbing of my hand because I'm shooting a stock too. So the, the serrations are nice and big and I, I basically just jam it into the web of my hand, rack the slide off to the races. And out of nowhere, I put the magazine in and I, I, I genuinely don't have a good explanation for why, but I came under and with, with my fingertips and my thumb from underneath the frame, I grabbed the front cocking serrations and, and racked the slide there, which is something I've only ever seen maybe Beretta shooters do on the clock. And I've, I've literally never practiced it on the clock. I, I do it, I guess now and then is just, you know, for no particular reason as a, as an administrative reload. But for some reason that came out during the stage, I don't think it really hurt me, but it was just very surprising looking back to think, why did I do that? I've never practiced that. The, the whole thing was, was very unfamiliar. I've never practiced that particular sequence. And I've never run into that situation before of having one bullet in the gun, but none, no magazine inserted. You know, it worked out. Um, obviously not not super happy with that because, you know, those two stages back-to-back really reinforced that I, I've got to work on the follow-through and not pulling the gun off early, which again, I think is just because it's easier to make the gross motor movement of moving your arms and your shoulders to sort of transition the gun off or pull the gun in to do a reload. It's easier to do that than to pull the trigger. And and when you see that final sight picture and in your brain, it's like, okay, send the shot, start the next thing. Then it's easy for the one message to get ahead of the other. And I think this is, this is something that I need to work on in dry fire because I do tend to, as soon as I see that sight picture, I'm not really paying attention to whether or not the trigger press happens before I start moving the gun. It's just, you know, sight picture, sight picture, sight picture with trigger pulls spaced in between, but really getting the timing of making sure to get that trigger pull done in dry fire before starting the reload or, or leaving the position. The next stage was stage two, which is in the smallest bay on the range, I think. If it's not tied for, for stage one, it's it's up there. And you have a little bit more room because it doesn't have the plate rack the way that, that stage one does. But it's it's always been a challenge to design interesting stages. And they managed to build what I thought was my second favorite stage of the match, only 24 rounds, but it was choppy. It, it required, you know, it had multiple positions. At almost every position, you could save a little bit of time entering or exiting. And there were, there weren't a ton of options. There really was kind of only one, one viable way to shoot the stage. It was sort of a back to front kind of stage plan with minor variations. But the execution offered a lot of options on how aggressively you wanted to take each target, the order to take each target in that kind of thing. So though I'll do my best to sort of do a play-by-play here, but you started in the, the back sort of middle of the stage. At the start, you took about two steps to your left, and there were five mini poppers at maybe 10 yards, and then a 15-ish yard open paper. So seven rounds from there, four steps to your right, back towards where you started from, there were two tight partials at about 10 yards. And then from there, you had to book it all the way to the the edge of the stage, you know, up against up against the concrete wall, where the shooting area actually came to a point, so it got pretty narrow. So it was pretty easy to overrun the position and, and step out. You know, you had to book it. It was probably you know seven or eight steps, pushing hard into that position to shoot what was only about a seven yard open paper. So not very hard shot difficulty, but very very tempting to come in too hot or try and leave too early. So move aggressively, come into that position, 
get your two alphas on that guy and get out of there in a hurry. And then you sort of move maybe five steps back towards the middle of the bay where you had to come in tight on one of the snow fence walls to, to hit, you know, maybe a seven or 10 yard partial target. So not very hard, but a, a sort of narrow position that would be easy to overrun. And then the rest of the stage, you had about three steps to the, to the end of the shooting area. And as you took those three steps, three targets came up into view. And so you could easily just, if you wanted to do a reload and post up at that, that last position, you could, I chose to reload before the, the target right before that. And so coming in, I had eight shots in the gun. And so I just immediately kept the gun up. And as I took those steps, came in and, and took one of the targets while I was settling in and then transitioned to the last two. And so, you know, if you were to try and count it in terms of number of shooting positions, it was five positions with a little bit of room to kind of blend the last two and make up some ground there. And, you know, again, a very interesting stage, amazing stage for the for the limited space, honestly. I mean, the whole bay is maybe 15 yards wide and 15 yards deep, so, you know, not a very large bay. But to have a 24-round stage with that much challenge, varied shot difficulty, I, I just I just thought it was great. And it's funny because almost by contrast, so the, the next stage was a, it's a bigger bay and it was a longer stage. It was a 28 round stage, but it was, you know, you, at, from the start position, you take maybe two steps, shoot two targets, run forward, shoot eight, move to the next position, shoot eight, move to the next position, shoot eight. And they were all, you know, at each position where you're shooting those eight shots, they all had some variance in shot difficulty. You know, there was, it definitely wasn't just, you know, four wide open targets shoulder to shoulder and hose them. So there, there was some challenge in, in changing gears, going from big to small or partial to open, that kind of target. But ultimately it was a 28 round stage in a bigger bay. And yet somehow it felt smaller. It felt, it certainly was, I don't want to say easier because it wasn't, it wasn't that it was simple, but it was, it was less of a, there was certainly less planning involved. You know, you basically went to each spot in each order and, and shot everything you could see which is, is fine, but it was just such an interesting contrast to, to feel like the smallest, one of the smallest bays on the range with not a very high round count had one of the most, I don't know, the most stage packed into the stage, for lack of a better term. Stages four and five were also excellent. You know, lots of sort of partial positions, you know, not just coming to somewhere and setting up and hosing eight to 10 shots, but, you know, shoot two or four from here, move somewhere else, shoot some more. And, and so sort of these these pick and choose hunt and peck kind of stages that honestly they give you more opportunity if you can shoot coming in or leaving or if you're shooting open you know more on the move I actually end up taking some of these shots on the move but most of them you know this match again because they are limited on range they tend to have a very high number of, of partial targets you know I think usually the the number of wide open targets in the entire match is is less than a dozen something like that just to give you a ballpark but it, it makes it a it gives it a very distinct flavor and it really teaches you to aim and not just hope you got your hits against the, the hardcover. Four and five were were good. Nothing particularly remarkable from how I shot them. They were interesting long stages, but I, I don't want to go into the a description of them right now. And then it, it ended up back towards where we started on the bay next to where we started with a speed shoot. I guess it was not technically a speech. I guess it's a short course. It was a 12 round stage next to the, the classifier and the speed shoot, not speed shoot, short course was interesting. I liked it. It was, you, you started in the middle, you drew to two targets on your left that were 
pretty close. I mean, very close within five yards, but they had hard cover covering the Charlie Delta on one side of each target. And you couldn't really see both of them at the same time. You kind of see one coming in and one when you're all the way to the left side of the box. And so you, you didn't have to aim very hard on them, but you had to get into the right position to shoot them. And then again, not leave too early. So that was the, the challenge on the left side. And then you come over to the right side and it was eight mini poppers at about 15 yards. And so the challenge there was don't do a standing reload. You know, you have, especially in production, you have 11 rounds on the gun. You have eight mini poppers. Don't go crazy. Don't do a standing reload. And again, knowing my, my weakness and my tendency to, to pull off targets early, I really came into this one with a focus on, on going one for one. And I ended up going nine, I shot nine shots to get the eight poppers. And I actually wasn't, wasn't too bummed about that because it was a nice consistent pace. And I feel like if I had actually gone one for one, I might have slowed down enough that the raw time to shoot eight more aimed one for one shots ended up being about the same as my nine shots that were aimed enough to have a reasonably high chance of hitting. So just as an experiment, here's the actual audio from, from my match video. I want to see how this turns out, whether it's, it's interesting to hear it on the podcast. So again, you'll hear me draw, shoot the two close targets on the left, do a reload moving over to the other side, and then shoot these 15-yard mini poppers. Are you ready? Stand by. And I'm pretty happy with that. You know, it was a nice, consistent pace. I wasn't trying to speed up when I saw or when I noticed that I'd missed the popper, I left it and came back for it. I feel like that's a, a big weakness that sometimes crops up is going to war with one popper versus making one pass through the array or the plate rack or what have you, you know, taking out everything and then coming back to clean up, which I think generally speaking is probably ends up being better just because you are, you're not reacting to every event. You're sort of following your plan and then cleaning up at the end. You're not sort of going back and forth between this act, react, act, react cycle. And so I, I, I was pretty happy with how that worked out. And certainly there were a lot of folks that, that had a rougher time on that stage. Again, the, the goal was don't go to slide lock. You know, if you, if you end up taking more than 11 shots in production to, to shoot those eight poppers, you're, you're in a bad place. So, and the, the last stage you could hear at the end of that, the RO telling me to make ready for the next stage. So on the same bay, there was the class fire, which in this case was madness, which is a, I think a really good class fire. It's a reasonable high hit factor, at least in production. It's seven targets ranging from wide open all the way at the outside to only having the A zone between two no shoots in the middle. And so it really tests that distance change up kind of ability to change gears. And you shoot each target once, reload, shoot each target once again. So 14 rounds total. And, you know, I, I just... In terms of looking at my own performance, it was not great. It wasn't terrible. I sort of cruised. I shot four Charlies total, and I ended up with a time that combined with the the four Charlies was an 85%. So low end of master, which obviously, even though, you know, once you make GM, you still want to shoot GM level classifiers because you want to perform at the level that your card says. You know, even though the classifiers don't count anymore, uh, you still don't want to feel like you're you're shooting below the, the level on your card. And so to, to get an 85, but I look, you know, when I look at it, it's the four Charlies made the difference between a 95 and an 85. And in general, just watching my shooting, it's, it's just sluggish. It was, it was the end. It was the eighth stage of the day. It was, I mean, you can see in the video 
that the the sun is low in the sky, you know, the end of a long day, not the longest, you know, certainly Sir Walter in July is a much longer day. You have more sunlight, but it's also more physically demanding, hotter, more humid, that kind of thing. And so, you know, a bit of a trade-off, but but just a wake-up call to me that, yes, you can just kind of phone in and cruise through to a, a decent classifier like that, but to to really continue to shoot at a GM level and keep putting up GM times, it's going to take that level of, of urgency and aggressive shooting. Not out of control, but having that sense of urgency. This episode is definitely running a little bit long, but I thought it was an interesting experiment. Wanted to talk through all these different stages. Let me know what you think. You can find me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. I post my match videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash USPSA. My blog is at berryshooting.com. If you'd like to get an email when I put up a new blog post, you can join the mailing list there. If you want to be the first to know when I open registration for a new class, check the classes box when you sign up for the mailing list. If you have a question or you just want to tell me something, you can email me at podcast at berryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.